Mother's Day. And because of that, I thought um, before I get into my points, I would just share a little bit of my story as a mom. Uh, I guess around 15 years ago, uh, we'll have been married 18 years this June. I know, that's amazing. Um, about 15 years ago, we uh, started talking, you know, maybe we do want kids. Because as we first got married, as I'm sure a lot of newlyweds, there are some who are like, let's get the babies, you know, happening as soon as we're married. But for us, uh, we had crazy lifestyles as far as traveling and we were very selfish with our time, and we liked our we liked it to be us. And we were like, we're never having kids. We're not bringing kids in this crazy world. That's not for us. But um, after a while, you know, that ignorance wears off, and you start thinking, maybe I'd like one of those rugrats running around my home. And so let's do this. Let's let's have a baby. So we put to an end all the things that you do to prevent having a baby, and thought we'll just let it happen in God's time. And a year passed, and then another year passed, and another and another. And before we knew it, we were staring at our 10-year wedding anniversary with no children. And I honestly just said, God, I surrender this. This is not happening for us. So let's adopt. You know, we, we want to love a child. We want to, we want to have a child. So we made that process happen. We got the paperwork signed. We got everything in the mail. It was, it was happening. And I was at church <clears throat> with a friend of mine, and she started describing uh, some of her pregnancy symptoms that are not your normal pregnancy symptoms, not like morning sickness or, you know, weight gain or whatever. Honest to God, I'm already there, right? So that's not it. I, don't, I, I just never thought if there was anything else uh, to show you're pregnant except these things. She says word for word that I had told my husband that morning. So I thought, something just checked me. I thought, you know, maybe. So on the way home, we buy a test. And an hour later, we're sitting in the living room in shock because there's two pink lines. Ten years later, there's two pink lines. We're going to have a baby. And so um, I, I was just overwhelmed because I felt like I had this plan of how it was supposed to happen, and it didn't. And so two years, nine months later, you know, we plotted this out because we thought, well, it takes such a long, it took such a long time to have her. Uh, we better work this just right. And two years, nine months later, I had another baby. So God blessed us with a gorgeous, beautiful, healthy little girl. And then two years, nine months later, this wild, crazy, handsome, funny little boy. He keeps his dad and I on very high alert, but he's also very tender and funny, and he's just sweet. They're, they're the greatest joy of my life. And I just want to take a moment today and encourage you. If you have a dream in your heart, specifically speaking to mothers, and, and I'll address some of you others in a minute, but if, if you have a dream in your heart, and God's put that desire in women, there's nothing wrong with wanting a family. There's nothing wrong with saying, I, I'm going to do a family a little bit differently. But he has put it in us to nurture and to care for, for someone else beneath us. If he's put that in your heart, don't give up on that dream, okay? He hears every single prayer. He sees every tear you cry. He knows every doubt. And he's got it, it, he's got it working way beyond things we cannot see. If I had had the babies in my timeline, they would have had an entirely different mother than they do now. 
my maturity level has come up. We live closer to family that helps. These are things that I never saw coming and never would have thought about. But God was working my my situation out, my story as a mother out. And he's, he's doing that for you. And if it's not children, if it's a job, a dream job or a project that you have in mind or something you're wanting to do that you feel called to, teaching or or serving in ministry full-time someday, how, whatever that looks like for you, keep faithful to God. Keep the prayers going. Don't give up because it doesn't seem like you're getting your answer. He's working things out that you'll never see, that you cannot possibly know. He is a good father. He loves us, and he wants good things for us. Romans 8 and 28 says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. For good, it's working out for your good. He is faithful, and I give him thanks publicly today because without him, I wouldn't have my wonderful family. And I want to encourage you, if he did it for me, he can do it for you, right? Amen? Trust his timing. It's going to work out. Trust him. All right, guys. So today I want to talk to you about uh, just something I feel was kind of um, very appropriate for Mother's Day. And that is um, just sharing with you today some points that I think can help all of us, moms, dads, college students, singles, whatever you are, wherever you're at in life. I've, I've been doing some studying, and this is kind of what's been sitting on me recently. Um, I feel like we are all in the middle of crazy town lately. <laughs> what I mean by that is there's so much going on in our lives. And it feels sometimes like no matter how hard we're working, no matter how busy we are, no matter what we're doing, there's never a break. We never feel like something's accomplished. We never feel finished with it. We never feel like the job's been done. And furthermore, we often walk around with this enormous anxiety and stress about that. Is anybody in here awake and listening and agree with me? All right, yes. I hate to feel like I have worked all day in my home and then to lay down and think, why am I so exhausted and the playroom is still a mess? Or, you know, I, I didn't start the dishwasher or I forgot to run that errand today. And I think that part of that is, you know, my husband has uh, talked about this before, that the enemy, it is a trick of the enemy. Because if he can't get you to sin and to just fall into something that may be ugly, gross, obvious sin that everybody can point at, what he can do is wear us out. And it can wear us out with busy, you know, running around, got to do this, got to do that, taking care and stress us out so that our bodies and our minds are in a, in a state of mind that we can't function well. And that's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to live an abundant, blessed, better than we could ever imagine life. He wants us to go to bed with peace and to wake up with joy and to serve our, our lives out and each day out with purpose. So I've got just six points today, and I know that they are not necessarily deep but my hope, my heart's desire in studying for this today is that at some point when you exit this auditorium, you will feel like I, something she said resonated with me. Or if you're in your car today or taking your nap this afternoon or whatever it is that you're in this week, 
something that I bring out to you today will click with you and help you. Because that's what this is about each week. This is not just a duty to come to church so we can check it off our list. We're here to get help, right? This is a house of God, and it is here for people who are hurting to help you and to lift your life and make it better. So the first point today that I want to start with, and these are all things that I feel like if we do and we engage and lock in on, will knock some anxiety and stress out of our life. And I, for one, need that. I need all the help I can get. So these are some biblical points that I feel God laid on my heart. And although there are many, very many and there's studies and books, and I think those are all good, these are the six because I have the microphone that I'm going to share with you today. All right? <laughs> the first point, and this is just right for the gut starting off, is to handle your business. Right? We have uh, this aversion to conflict, at least I do, and I do know some people who love conflict, but I don't like it. I don't want to deal with stress, or if I feel like someone's upset with me, or if there's uh, something that needs to be handled, that I feel like that there could be some unrest, I run from it. That's my personality. I have gotten better with kids, because you just have to deal with your kids. But I do know that putting stuff off makes it worse, Right? I have a great example that just happened to fall into my lap this week. We were in my husband's office, and we were with some friends, and they're opening a new Planet Fitness here in Bernie. And some of us have had memberships for, I don't know, like 10 years and never go. So they wanted to transfer their membership. And um, there's kind of a a little bit of a hard process to do that. Um, And my friend, she's telling her husband, I don't want to do it. Like, I, I can't. It's too hard. There's too much paperwork. And he said, just call them. Just call and just handle it. We're right here. You have the time. There's no excuse to do it now. No, 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 I don't want to because they're going to ask me why I haven't been coming. She just worked herself up into, I don't want to do this. Have you all ever done that? Right. So he says, you know what? Give me your phone. <laughs> so he takes her phone and he calls the Planet Fitness from where they uh, subscribe their membership to to begin with. And in less than three or four minutes, done. The business was handled. It was all swapped over. She's taken care of. Everything's going to be fine. And it took three or four minutes. And it was something that she had worked in her head was going to be this big problem to handle and to deal with. And I have been there myself. And I told her, I said, girl, you got to handle your business. It's hard to look at bills you don't want to deal with. And it's hard to look at your in-laws that you don't want to deal with. And it's hard to look at your children that you don't want to deal with or your job or, or the person that you may be sitting next to today. You know that there's an issue there. You don't want to deal with it. But when you don't handle your business, you, you put fear and anxiety uh, a place in the back of your mind, and it builds and builds and builds. And while it may feel good to ignore it for a little while or put it off to look at Instagram or to focus on something else, that thing is going to haunt you. And the best way to do to get rid of that is to knock it out by handling it. Matthew 5 and 23 says that we should settle matters quickly. Settle matters quickly with your adversaries as well. Handle it. Handle it and let that thing be done. Put it behind you and move forward. It's not going to be as bad as you think. I promise you that. And you're going to be so glad when it's done. Point number two 
First uh, Timothy six and twenty says, "O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge." Now, y'all, this one—all uh, of these points stuck me pretty good, but this one really gets me because I know some negative babblers. Anybody? Like, blah 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 blah, and it's never good. You know, it's. Well, this is what happened today, and this is what happened today. And, you know, my aunts, you know, forgot to bring me my keys, and I lost them, and then tomorrow I've got this, but I'm feeling sick already. And, like, there's always something. They never have anything positive to say. So that's, that's people who babble. They're just talking, 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 talking. They love the sound of their own voice. This is actually, although that's a, that's a thing of its own, this says we need to guard against irreverent babbling. And what that means, irreverence is a dismissal of paying attention to who is listening. So that's not just um, who's listening today, but that's who's listening. He's listening always. Do y'all believe that? He's right there. He's as close as the mention of his name. And he hears you when you can't get off of, of negative speech, talking badly about somebody, talking without having all the facts. Okay, being uh, being mean or vicious or snipey just because it makes you feel better. And truthfully, that's what it's usually about. It's a distraction of getting the, the attention off of what we're dealing with to make someone else look bad. It helps you to feel better. That is not the will of God as well. Negative talk. Um, I did a lot of research and study for this and a lot of my um, stats and uh, study today came from the American Psychological Association. <clears throat> Negative talk is not just, you know, girl, her hair. Did you see her hair? Negative talk is just is things like bills. Right now, when I say bills, somebody's like, oh, or uh, ugly, or hate. These words that you associate negative things with, they do something to the chemicals in your brain and can can affect you, can genuinely change your brain, the chemical makeup of your brain, and turn you into a negative person. That's fascinating to me. We've got to take care of what we're saying because it's not only hurting those around us, it's hurting what's inside here. And if you want to be a positive person, you have to watch out for what you're saying and take care of your words. Proverbs 16 and 24 says, Avoid negative talk and false knowledge. I'm sorry, Proverbs 16 24 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Healing. Gracious words are healing, and that is, should be the goal of our life. We should heal the stress of pumping our ears and our mind with words from people who have nothing good to say or they only want to offer you advice or, or conversation if it's something that's going to make them look better. Stay away from them. Don't, don't give yourself opportunities to hear from them. Cut out the negative talk. Point number three, um, the, this is a, a giant one. You can stop confusing the command that the Bible gives us to love others with the sin of the disease to please. Stop using, confusing the command to love others with the disease to please. Lisa Turkhurst is a phenomenal speaker and author, and she coined that phrase in that book, The Best Yes, 
which is in the gift basket we gave today. I highly recommend it. It's a tremendous book. But basically, the, the premise of the book is choosing what you're going to say yes to and making a point to choose a yes to things that are going to encourage your walk with God, encourage you to follow the dreams that he's giving you, and, and give yourself time and margin. You know, um, we, have a, we have a strong desire sometimes, so many of us. I'm guilty of it. I am a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me. So I will say, yes, 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 I can do that. Yes, don't mind. I'll meet you there. I'll do this. I'll do that. And what winds up happening is we have no time for us. We're completely blown out and exhausted and tired by the end of the day, which might be part of that feeling that nothing was accomplished that we needed to take care of. Uh, uh, your best yes is, is going to be strong and courageous because it realizes that this might not be the popular thing, but it's what I have to do for me right now. Your best yes will say no um, to the commitments that are stressing you out and stripping away time with your family or things you need to take care of personally. And while they may be uncomfortable in the long run, it's going to make your schedule more calm and more Christ-centered, which in turn brings you a peace where you're able to hear from God and to know what he wants from you and what he wants for you. You know, this is our frequency series that my husband um, preached so wonderfully just a couple of weeks back, is talking about hearing the voice of God. And sometimes that's, that's the imperative part of it. There are lots of things you can do, but sometimes it's just slowing down and giving yourself time to hear from him and to talk to him and see what he, he says to you. The American Psychological Association this year, for the first time ever, said that their annual survey showed that family responsibilities was the third most common stressor on men and women, only preceded by money and work. That's, that's a pretty big statement, you know. Family is, is everything, and they ought to be your safe haven. That ought to be the place, your house. You pay good money for that house. You know, especially in Bernie, amen. <laughs> your home ought to be a place that you enjoy, not some place that you run through as you're tearing your clothes off to go to the next thing that you have to do and snapping at everybody and running around. You ought to be able to sit in your house, enjoy your house, enjoy your family. That's not to say that, you know, having schedules is a bad thing or being involved in sports is a bad thing or having, you know, uh, appointments is, is bad. Those, those are good things. But it's okay if you've, you know, you've played basketball with your buddies for five nights to stay home with your kids and not say yes to that. And it's okay to curl up with her and watch Netflix and chill with popcorn, the, the way old people Netflix and chill, right? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to let your man, I know this is counterculture, ladies, but it's okay to let him come home and have a nap in his favorite chair, not be interrupted, not bug him the minute he gets in the house. I'm, I, it's true, and I'm guilty of it. I'm not standing up here judging you. I'm guilty of him walking through the door and me meeting him like, here's all my stuff. But let him come in and just relax. That's your home. That, that should be a safe haven. It should be a place where you're able to come in and, and kick your feet up and enjoy. It's okay to say no to mommy playdates. I'm all about a mommy playdate. I love mommy playdates. But sometimes I am not dressed in my yoga pants at 8 a.m. with my cute ponytail. 
sometimes I'm still stumbling around with my messy bun. And, you know, if I'm lucky, one of my kids may still be asleep. And that's okay. It's okay to give yourself margin at home. Making your home a safe place and a place where you have uh, an area and and an opportunity to relax. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. My belief in this is that you take your life to God and say, God, I'm committing to you first, and whatever else is around it, that, that's just going to happen. You'll figure it out. But your house is my priority. Serving you is my priority. Surrendering to you is my priority, and I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of everything, right? Y'all believe that? You can get a clan clap, all right? Point number four, I know we talk about this a lot, but it's a big one, and it's a cause for major stress, huge, and that's social media. I hate that I love it sometimes, y'all. I hate it, but I'm a major fan. I love it. I love checking it. I love to see who's liked my stuff or who's posted this trip because I want to know where they're at, and I'm all about it. I'm the one who rides our our dream team and our lead team, like, hey, guys, use social media this week to post something about your church. And, hey, if I'm being honest and I'm right here plugging it, use social media to plug our church. Okay? We had, we had somebody raise their hand last service that this is how they found City Hills. And I think that there's great things to social media. It's a phenomenal way to reach people, to let them know that, hey, this is my church, these are my people, you need to come be with me, hashtag City Hills TX, we love you, this is our Mother's Day board, I hope y'all all get a picture in front of that today. It's, it, that, there's so much good for that, so much good, but unfortunately there's a lot of bad because we hang our identity on whether or not we have reached, you know, more than 10 likes or 20 likes or whatever. And what that does, it messes with you because you start checking it nonstop to see what 150 people that you don't really see every day think about what you're doing. (coughs) A status of mind survey published by the UK's Royal Society for Public Health stated that while there were certainly high marks for the benefit of social media, there's also an enormous percentage. Listen to this number. 71% of the 1,500 people they interviewed who at some point fell into the comparison and despair trap, comparing their lives to somebody else's highlight reel, you know? And that's all it is. It's a highlight reel. You know, uh, I, I love to post the cute little things, you know, that's going on in my day-to-day life. And I love good blue ocean photos and toes in the sand and birthday trips and yachts and all these wonderful things. I love to see that. And I'm usually thinking, I wish I were there. And I love to see that Carl is potty trained at seven months old. And if you're Carl's mama, come find me today. I need some help with that, okay? (laughs) I love all that. But I could do with a little bit of the hashtag uh, real life. I I need to see real life sometimes. And doing that is not, it, it makes yourself vulnerable, but it also makes you relatable to people. And it helps them to say, you know, they are not always put together. They don't always have everything perfect. Makes you more relatable, which is an incredible opportunity to just open up and share your life with somebody and help them. Romans 15 and 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He saw your mess. He sees your mess. And he still accepted you. 
So let's let other people do the same for us and give that in return, all right? It's okay. Like I said, it's okay to, uh, to post the beautiful photo of your coffee mug and your Bible study all laid out because that's what we do, right? But I'm, I'm making a point to tell you that at some point this week, whenever that post that I do is, I'm going to maybe slide my camera to the left and show my sink full of dishes over here, okay? It's just true life. And it would help us, and it would knock anxiety off, and it would feel like a, a load of bricks lifted off of us to be real with one another and to give each other the grace that things aren't always what you see on that highlight reel. Amen? So remove the, remove the filters and just be real. Number five, uh, and my fifth point here is to take care of yourself. Alleviate the stress and, and the things that are on you by taking care of yourself. The obvious scripture reference here is in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, and it talks about that our bodies are a living sacrifice. We must live pleasing and acceptable to God to make ourselves, you know, good for him. And that's true. 1 Timothy 4 and 8 says that bodily exercise can profit you. And then it says a little, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> so, of course, I'm talking about taking care of yourself in the flesh. Um, put away the third or fourth portion, you know. Drink more water. Uh, don't do dessert at every meal. Get off the couch. Get out of your bed. Walk the block. Walk the neighborhood. Think of what a great Instagram post that would be. You know, I just walked the neighborhood. So you can show your cool new shoes off, but, you know, just don't forget to show your sweaty, heaving, can't breathe self as well. <laughs> you know, get some sleep. Um, this is one right here, you know, and I, I struggle with this. Get some sleep, people. Shut your phone and your TV off and go to bed. Study after study after study has shown that light given off by these electronics, uh, it slows and it can even halt the production of melatonin, which is the chemical you need in your brain to fall asleep. And so you get locked in this horrific cycle of insomnia. Am I the only one? Like, I can't go to bed. I, I come alive at night. I wake up at night. I feel like I get a second wind. Get, get a routine that helps you to unwind and then the most important thing that you can do is to pray. Pray before you go to bed. I tell my kids every night, it's time to say your prayers and go to bed. Give it to Jesus and go to bed. Close your eyes. Nothing will give you sleep as precious and peaceful as, as talking to our Father before you go to bed. He'll give you the best sleep. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's so necessary. My final point today in kicking stress in the teeth and anxiety is to invest in quality relationships. Find people that make you a better person. Find people that make you better people. Grow up. I told the last service, that sounds kind of harsh, but that's okay. I'm a mom, and I'm being a mom today. Grow up. A feeling like you have to be a part of the cool crowd. And if they didn't invite me over, then they must not like me. And I don't have any friends, and they're just so rude, and they don't even care about me. Stop that. Make your own group. We're cool. Come hang with us. I'll make my own group. I will find people that I enjoy spending time with, and we're going to do this thing. Don't, uh, don't sit there and talk about, you know, I have no friends. I have nobody to talk to when, you know, you get in your car today and go straight home. And you don't invest in relationships. You have to invest in healthy relationships. You know, 
uh, Proverbs 7, 20, 17, 22 in the message says that a merry heart does good like medicine, but doom and gloom leave you bone tired. And I love that translation because it is exhausting. It, it, the Bible tells us it's exhausting to be around people who drain the life out of you. And if you recognize in yourself, if you have the self-awareness to know I'm a negative person, I tend to be a grump, I tend to look on the poor side of things, don't go looking for those people so that you can all have one big rain cloud, you know, party. Find people that make you laugh and make you feel good about yourself and encourage you. Those are the people that you need to be around. And, you know, I got tickled today because we push growth track and connect groups, and I didn't even realize it, and there it is worked into my message. Growth track happens today, and connect groups are about to launch back up for the summer. Get involved in them. Find your people and find a place to be involved. It will lift your life so enormously. The APA said that uh, people who find a community of positive friends and influences can boost their mental health in a variety of ways. Listen to this. This is like the chemical thing again. This is a physical thing that happens when you find positive relationships. You will have a better sense of contentment. Your zest for living will be upped. You will bounce back from adversity better. You, create, you get created a sense of meaning and purpose. You're more flexible in learning or trying new things. And your family relationships are more balanced because you have outsider's perspective. Somebody who can speak to you and say, maybe you, you took that too offensively. Maybe they didn't mean it that way. Or here's another way to try and fix that. There is not a better place in the house of God to find these relationships. And especially, especially if you're a parent. That's okay, guys. You clap. It makes me feel really good. So y'all go ahead. Nothing, nothing will, there's not a better place to find relationships than in the house of God. And there are so many people here of all ages, of all races, of all backgrounds. And we have built this church intentionally that way so that everybody has a place to belong. Everybody has a place to be a part of. That's our heart's, heart's desire for you. God came to this earth and died on a cross for our sins and went through the worst possible and imaginable death so that we could be saved. But he didn't save us to stay seated. He saved us so that we could lift others. And I really believe with all of my heart that living for God is supposed to lift your life. And lifting your life is not just I'm washed clean and I stand before you and I surrender my life to you and I'm serving you. But lifting my life means my job's getting better, my family's getting better, my status of life is getting better, my, my car's getting nicer, my finances are getting better, everything. God wants everything to raise up, and I believe that's, that's his heart's desire. I'm closing this message today to challenge us just to become better, better people, to live healthier. We've got to cut out some of this unnecessary anxiety and stress. It's not God's will, as I've said. He wants us to live high and happy. That's not to say that things don't happen. Junk happens. This is earth. This earth is not our, our forever home. It's temporary. It's getting worse and worse and worse. But this place should make things better. And it is our heart's desire. It really, truly is our hope that you leave better. 
that you you walk out today and if you're in the lobby or in your car or it's a few days down the week, I pray that something that I say today will connect with you and click inside of you and you think, I can shrug that off me. I don't have to be stressed and worried about that anymore. That's not God's will for me. I'm going to be better. I'm going to live better. I felt this message fitting on Mother's Day specifically because of the weight that we hold as parents. We're not just leading ourselves. We've got little ones behind us. Henry Ward Beecher, a 19th century congregational minister, said, what a mother sings to her cradle goes all the way down to his coffin. My Bible says it like this, train up a child in the way that is right, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. We have a responsibility as mothers, fathers, aunties, uncles, friends in the church to recognize that those following us, when they're old, they may, they may run off, do their own thing. But right now, what we put in them is what stays with them to their grave. And it is our responsibility to show them what our priorities are going to be. It's a very hard sell to children to tell them that I want you to I want you to be a good Christian. I want you serving up there one day. I want you serving out there. I hope you love God. I hope I watch you worshiping and leading and doing all these wonderful things for God. But you're not leading by example. You know, we've we've worked in ministry a long time. For 10 years we served in student ministry and had parents tell us these things sitting across from us with tears dripping off their chin. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's went wrong. And the truth of the matter is, if I can just be very frank, they weren't the most faithful by example. And I know that that's heavy today, but being a parent, being a leader is heavy. And that's the kind of weight that we need to take on. God, I don't need all of this. I have this. That's the point of the the message today. All this stuff that the world wants to put upon me and cause me to freak out and be concerned and stressed and anxious over, that doesn't matter. This is what matters. As a mother and a father, what I'm leading right here, this is what matters, and this is where my priorities lay. Serving God's house should be a delight and a joy, not a a dreaded job that you have to to walk into every week. I, I love serving God's house. We get to go to church today. I'm excited about what your teacher's going to teach you. I can't wait to know what worship songs we're going to be a part of. I can't wait to serve today. I can't wait to see who's going to lift their hands and surrender their life to Christ. They're watching. They're watching you. We joke sometimes that our kids are deaf to us, but they're not. They're watching us. We have to lead strong. 